so we're in really challenging times right now, so we all need to be eating more mushrooms. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. Let's just start off by saying that we're so excited to welcome Casey Sullivan, who's here with Two River Mushrooms Company. And thank you so much. We first saw you at, at a presentation that you gave at Dean's. We just kind of drooled over all of your huge mushrooms that you had out on the table and everything. It was just so fascinating. How did you start this journey? Yeah, well, um, let's see. It goes back, it goes back at least, at least probably about five years ago now. So I, you know, I teach environmental and, and marine science courses at South. So I've always been into, that's what I went to school for is environmental at Stockton. And so sustainability has always been really big for me. And, um, I was always into gardening, vegetable gardens and flower gardens and perennials. And, you know, one year I tried, um, I tried growing um, shiitake mushrooms on hardwood logs. Uh, we rent an apartment in Seabright, so we don't have much square footage here. So underneath our porch, I did that with some red oak logs. And, um, you know, fortunately enough, they did what they were supposed to do. And they, you know, they produced shiitake mushrooms the following spring. And then every year thereafter, and including still to this day, um, these log and, you know, these inoculated logs that I started with and, I was just really from the get-go really kind of fascinated by by mushrooms in terms of their medicinal value and all of their different culinary formats that you can take with them and and the other part of it is that I've been in the restaurant business since I was since I was a teenager so I worked um I'm not sure if you're familiar with the restaurant in Rumson, What's Your Beef? But oh, I started yeah. working there when I was like 16. So yeah. um, I, I put in about 25 years there. And I so I, I guess it gave me a glimpse into the industry and, and also gave me an idea that there was a demand for, uh, you know, some local local mushrooms and, and, and organic at that. So We love both of those things, local and organic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two of our favorite things. That's right. Sure. sure. So it grew from underneath your porch to now you have a facility, one or more, or you have a facility, you're growing all sorts of different kinds of mushrooms, not just shiitake, right? Yeah, that's right. So we have one facility now, but we're on the verge of expanding. Um, we have a second location that should be ready, actually, in another two weeks. In fact, we have our organic recertification on November 6th. And once I get that green light, we'll be up and running at our new location. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that's going to be actually in in Long Branch at the WCP, the White Chapel Projects. Yeah, yeah. So um, Right on Broadway there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So sticking with the whole like sustainability aspect, there was an already on-site shipping container and um, we kind of just approached Marilyn Sloshback from from Asbury Park. And, um, you know, so she was really into the idea of uh, creating that space for us. And, you know, um, so we're really excited about about that. You've got a great partner in Marilyn. Yep. We have another podcast. We interviewed Marilyn a couple years ago. So she's on another podcast. Yeah, Yeah. she's spectacular. I met her actually through when she took over the restaurant in Rumson. That's how we connected. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so we grow, um, you know, at any given time, like six to eight or seven to nine different, even more different varieties of mushrooms. We try to grow, you know, seasonally. and. People may not know, but uh, mushrooms, it's its actually 
it's really ideal to try to fruit mushrooms seasonally. And so certain strains do better in, in warm environments. So for example, in the summer, when it's quite warm, you would fruit out like um, pink oyster mushrooms and golden oyster mushrooms. And then like in the wintertime, cold and dry, it's better to fruit out mushrooms like maitake and uh, king royal trumpets and, and, and different things like that. So you just kind of, you know, you kind of play with the seasons in terms of what you decide that you want to fruit out. I didn't know that mushrooms had seasons. You know, I never thought about it before. So I'm sure our listeners really didn't know that either. And if you pay attention, I guess, to the varieties in the stores, you might know that. But I didn't pay attention until I got to know you and started buying your mushrooms from the various stores that you're in. And I see all the varieties and the colors and everything. So tell us about all the different varieties that you have. Maybe right now. Yeah. Um well, just to go back one more quick second about that, sure. and some, you know, some some stores may offer certain varieties year round, but then again, it would it would probably suggest that they're conditioning their air and having a more of a carbon footprint by by doing that. So, for example, if you're going to be trying to grow king oysters in in the summer and they like it cold and dry, they're probably their electric bill is quite high, and they're you know it's a higher carbon footprint to to mm-hmm. to, to achieve that, right? So yeah, so like. Right now we're kind of transitioned in fall. So we, you know, we have uh, the shiitake mushrooms growing. They're pretty much a year round uh, strain for us. We have um, Phoenix oysters, which are kind of finishing up and we're going to switch from them and go into some of the more of the king, the king trumpets uh, more so. Um, and we have the golden oysters and we have um, cinnamon caps, which are also known as chestnut mushrooms. We have, we're going to uh, have to get some really good pictures <laughs> and yeah. put them into a blog because I can imagine just listening to this. I'm picturing all these. My imagination is really going kind of wild, not having the mushrooms right sitting in front of me. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they are um, – they're very colorful and they, you know, once you get them all together, you get so many different flavors and textures and, um, you know, that's why one of our more popular sales are, are coming from what we call the forest medley where, you know, we basically sell like one quart, which comes in close to about a pound of, uh, the, the organic mushrooms that we grow. And it, we, we include in that every strain that we're growing at the time. And so, you know, it's even if you are intimidated by the number of mushrooms or the different colors, you know, that's definitely one of our biggest challenges is kind of consumer education and doing these markets for years. The most common question you always get is, you know, what they look beautiful, but I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to do with them. Right. So, um, you know, the forest medley, we just an approach is just really just to cook them all together and. You know, like a wild mushroom risotto is spectacular this time of year, but there's so many different unique approaches to the mushrooms that we grow. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever, I've never done it, but in doing just a little bit of research before we got on this podcast, I read somewhere about roasting the mushrooms, and I've just never done that. Is that something that you suggest or? I mean, yeah, I've, I've, um, I like to roast them. I, um, there's so many different approaches and there's so many different people that have so much different viewpoints on this. You know, interestingly enough, there was another podcast I was listening to with a chef and he was talking about, uh, you know, basically saying that one of the more common approaches is like a hot skillet with butter. So, so yeah, in terms of cooking, cooking the mushrooms, a lot of these cooks now are into the science of cooking down at like a, at a cellular level, you know? So this one 
this one chef who was also a, a forager for mushrooms was really a big fan of cooking the mushrooms in just water, kind of a low and slow approach for tw- up, upwards of 20 minutes and really kind of developing this kind of rich broth, if you will. And then at the end, incorporating perhaps a little bit of olive oil or, or butter or whatever you would choose at that point, fresh herbs and things like that. So there's all these different approaches. I've roasted them before. Um, you know, in terms of the nutritional value, I've read that microwaving them is actually a way to preserve most of the nutrients. Really? Wow. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And grilling. And so microwaving and grilling them came in at the top, you know, it's for number one and number two for nutrient preservation. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I I look forward to doing some testing on all of these different ideas because you just, they all have different flavors and they all just, yeah. I love love that you've packaged, packaged the forest medley too, because it looks so beautiful on the plate. Because yeah. of all the different colors and textures and everything, it's it's really a beautiful presentation. Yeah, Thank really you. Is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in in uh, putting them together, and you know, we pride ourselves on getting the products out to the out to the retail locations. You know, within within hours of being picked, and so you know, we do feel that we deliver a product in this area that's unparalleled. So. Yeah, and we can say from our own experience in cooking them and using them that they are absolutely delicious. They oh, really, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I have a question that, you know, it's uh, mushrooms are kind of trendy right now, and I think that part of the reason they're trendy is because there's there's so much research done on the health of mushrooms and, and all of the different wonderful nutrients and, and um, things that happen when you eat mushrooms in, our, in your body. And I was wondering if you can maybe touch on some of you know, some of these benefits that mushrooms give us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly, they're definitely trending for sure. You know, I've heard these expressions out there like mushroom is the new kale and (laughs) like it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. The industry is really, is really blossoming for sure. So like one of the more trendy mushrooms right now for, for medicinal value and nutritional is probably the lion's mane. You know, that one you're hearing a lot about the heresium mushroom and that one is really great for its value for the nervous system. And so, you know, a lot of people are now using this mushroom in in dual extracted tinctures, making these decoctions. You know, we have a couple formula lines ourselves uh, for as a value added product, but, um, but yeah, so any, you know, any neurodegenerative disease um, from Parkinson's to MS to early onset dementia and even just overall cognitive health recognition and memory the lion's mane mushroom is really something that's spectacular and you know it's been used in china for 2000 years um you know so we're kind of just catching on to it here now but the science is really is quite is quite clear on on the benefits of that mushroom there can you just pause for a sec? I, with lion's mane, is there, okay, so you've got the, the real food. You've got the mushroom itself fresh from your farming. Do you call it farming? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fresh from your farming. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your tinctures, but then you've got powders and other things on the market. Do you have any feedback about how it degrades when we keep processing it or whether it does or doesn't concentration level do you have any feedback on that for our listeners yeah yeah that's a great question there's a there's like 
there is this kind of ongoing debate in the industry about, you know, when you're going to make a tincture, do you, do you use just the fruiting body itself or do you use the mycelium as well? The mycelium is just a fancy word for, you know, the thread like structure of the, of the mushroom itself. So, so when you see a mushroom on the forest floor, you're, you're seeing the fruiting body of, you know, it's like the tip of the iceberg expression, you know, so what you're not seeing underneath the mushroom is, is this complex network, this mycelial network. And so a lot of scientists and people who practice in this field feel that the mycelium has a lot of redeeming value as well um, medicinally. And so, there's this ongoing debate about if you're going to make a tincture, do you use just the fruiting body and or do you use the, the mycelium? So our tinctures are just are just the fruiting body. Um, and I've read some really persuasive papers on, on both approaches. You know, in terms of uh, going from the, the dry, you know, from the fruiting body to drying it and then making powders, um, you know, to make our tinctures, we do a dual extraction we do a hot water and then we use grain alcohol i will say that you know in terms of all the the medicinal value that's within this fruiting body some of the compounds are are water soluble and so that's when you would use the the hot water um, decoction and then you know you're still leaving behind a tremendous amount of other compounds and this gets into like the beta glucans versus that um triterpenides and all these other compounds that are, it gets quite complex, but the, the grain alcohol would allow you to extract the other compounds, which are not water soluble. And so um, that's how we come up with our, with our tinctures. I would just say as one more quick thing is that we do feel strongly about uh, the organic nature of, uh, of our business. And, you know, there's a lot of products out there right now where, if they're not coming from an organic source, um, you can't be certain about who grew the mushroom and where and under what regulations. And so there's a lot of product coming in from other parts of the world where there's very little to no environmental regulation. And so there is something to be said about the uh, USDA organic stamp. We believe in that stamp. So so what are some of the other uh, benefits from some of the different mushrooms? So, um you know, they all like collectively, they're all loaded, loaded with um, vitamins. Um, you got a lot of the B complexes in all these mushrooms. Yep. Uh, you have a lot of antioxidants. You have, they're collectively considered to be immunomodulating. The, the shiitake is a, a pretty an amazing mushroom in terms of its ability to being able to harness the solar energy and create vitamin D. Um, or if you expose it to uh, UV lights. So, you know, sun, sun drying shiitake mushrooms is, is a neat way to, um, to get a source of vitamin D. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the, collectively, mushrooms are just an amazing uh, superfood, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, people love kale so much, they ate a ton of kale, like morning, noon, and night for so long because they heard so many great things about kale. But then too much kale can actually interrupt your thyroid process, natural process. Can you have, can you have too many mushrooms? <laughs> Are there any side effects? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, that's a good question. I, I suppose, you know, I suppose you, you probably could. I mean, you know, I, again, going back to not to keep hammering in on that point, but you know, if the, 
if a mushroom, uh, mushrooms are a product of the environment that they're grown in. And so if the mushroom is being grown on a substrate and just, just to kind of backtrack for one second, uh, we, we don't grow any compost mushrooms, you know, so these are your, these are your classic white button, cremini and portabella. These are, these are all mushrooms that are considered compost mushrooms. So we don't grow any of those. We, we grow hardwood varieties. Um, and so, if you're growing on substrate, which is just another fancy word for the material that the mushroom is utilizing as a nutrient source, and it's not a, you know, if it could be laced with, with certain things that are clearly not good for us. And then if mushrooms are a product of the environment they, they, they're growing, you could, you could be eating things that could be, a, you know, bioaccumulating in your, in your system. And so, um, yeah, it all goes back to knowing your farmer and knowing the inputs of the substrate in this case. Wow. Yeah. So that's interesting because I think, you know, most people are buying, you know, when they go to the market, they are buying those uh, button mushrooms and the, the cremony mushrooms, which are, I think, baby portobello mushrooms. And, right. and um, especially if they're not buying organic, it may actually be in a way detrimental to your health or they think they're, you know, getting good stuff and they're not necessarily are. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether or not you should cook mushrooms and people saying eating them raw. That's kind of a, again, it's kind of like the, it's, it's very difficult in today's day and age with Google and all these platforms where it can become like an echo chamber of what you search for is what you find. But like it, you know, the compost mushrooms, if, if you're talking about manure as a, as a large component of the input, you know, and then you think about the, the livestock, Stock, uh, you know, the, the feedlots of, of um, the way that we raise animals in our country and the various pesticides, herbicides, fungicides and antibiotics, uh, the end product can be can be alarming, you know, wow. so. So. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to know for everybody out there who's mm-hmm. buying those mushrooms regularly and yeah. not really understanding what they're getting. So. And you should and you should cook all the mushrooms like the all the mushrooms that we grow we always suggest cooking them the fungi as a kingdom is kind of symbolized by a cell wall that's made of chitin which is a really really hard substance in nature it's you know it's basically the same material that shells of crabs are made out of it's a very hard material and so to really make all the beneficial compounds that we were talking about bioavailable to us, you, you really do want to cook them uh, to, to help that become the case. And um, and some of these mushrooms that we grow, are they have some complex compounds, and so your body might not be used to having to digest that in a raw state. And so it would never be a situation where it would make you have to go to the hospital, but it could, if you were to eat our mushrooms raw, could potentially create like an upset stomach. So. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So- Regarding storage, tell us about storage. I mean, there's this idea that you bring them home from the market and then you put them in a paper bag or a cloth bag in your fridge or to put it right into the skillet when you buy it, right? If you can. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. We get that a lot. And, um, you know, I'm amazed at how many people, like, come to the market the following week and say, oh, you know, your mushrooms lasted so long and we kept them, we just kept them on our counter and they didn't refrigerate them at all or, you know, they put them in the plastic. So there's definitely, in the refrigerator is always preferable to extend the shelf life the most. And then also, like you were saying, a brown paper bag is really an ideal format too because it's, you know, it's permeable to air exchange. So 
plastic is kind of like the death of mushrooms. They can't, you know, if there's condensation, then it will just liquefy the mushrooms, and you know, it's it's not a not a good scenario. No, we've all we've all know what slimy mushrooms are like, and that's no fun. No. <laughs> They, they feed the compost, right? That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I would I'll just say, too, as a quick add-on there, like if you purchase a large volume of mushrooms and you're getting towards the tail end of their life, you can always, of course, dehydrate them. You can do that by on a nice day outside or, again, enhance it with the vitamin D for the shiitake, or you can just put it in your oven at a really low setting, you know, for two hours or so, you know, 150, 180 degrees for for two hours or so, and then... You know, you got yourself dried mushrooms that you can reconstitute anytime you want. You know, and then the liquid that comes off that is always a really nice uh, broth and can be used as stock. Right. That's a great idea to use with the the excess mushrooms. I love that. Now, you were so kind to respond to me when I asked you a question about my cousin had asked me about freezing them because she had foraged a whole bunch of mushrooms on, on a hike and she just had too much and hadn't talked about drying them, but what's your feedback for our listeners about freezing them? I guess the best way to do that would be to incorporate them into a, an entree, like some sort of a dish initially, okay. and then and then freeze it uh, versus just freezing the mushroom itself. You know, just like with plants, you know, the cell wall with freezing, it's like a can of Coke in a freezer, right? It explodes because of the expansion. So at a, at a cellular level, you know, you're, you're breaking these cells and um, you know, it, it, when it comes time to try to defrost them and use them, you know, you're often left with a, a product that the texture and the, the texture has fundamentally changed, but also, also most likely the flavor as well. So kind of incorporating them into a dish that can freeze well. So you would want to probably stay away from anything like, um, cream or dairy. You know, you want to just try to keep something like a stock or, you know, with the mushrooms in it like that. Yeah. Great. So I have a question about, because being the foodies that we are and nutrition and everything else is, are mushrooms in the vegetable family? Are they considered vegetables? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so mushrooms, they're in, they're not, they're in their own kingdom actually. So, wow. you know, you, you have, you have plants and you have the, the plant and the animal kingdom, right? Right. And then you have fungi. So, <laughs> They they are they are an amazingly unique, but but the more you learn about them, the more you realize that they're actually. So for example, most people might not know, but mushrooms give off carbon dioxide just like you and I do, and they take in oxygen just like you and I do. Interesting. Um, yeah. So like versus plants, like right. So plants take in carbon dioxide, sunlight, and then they right. produce sugar and give off oxygen through photosynthesis so you know mushrooms are are more similar to us in that regard and um so they're in their own kingdom and there's so many thousands of mushrooms that we have yet to discover there's over i believe there's over a hundred thousand different types of mushrooms and we've only kind of tipped the iceberg in terms of their their culinary and their medicinal value so that's fascinating and I, I understand there's some crazy amount of network underground of the mycelium, I guess you're calling it, that sort of communicates with each other or communicate. It's like sort of this matrix underground. <laughs> yeah. But I understand. I don't understand it, but that's what I've heard. So I'm curious. Yeah, what, what you're- yeah that's it. 
it's 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 uh that's that's exactly true um to to expand on that a bit i mean i don't know too much about it to be honest but i will say that uh you know 90% of plants have a relationship with uh with with fungus with the so so for example there's mycorrhizal fungus right so when you buy a a, a, an, an expensive bag of good topsoil from sickles, like bumper crop from Maine. Um, you know, they'll say they'll 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 literally call out this attribute of of containing mycorrhizal fun, fungi. Ah. So yeah, this this is the fungi that has a relationship with plants. So the plant is by photosynthesis creating simple sugars and sending it down into the root structure, which serves as a nutrient source uh, for, for the fungus. And in return, the fungus is readily being able to break down the mineralogy of the soil and creating the nitrogen and the phosphorus and the potassium that the plant needs in return. So it's this symbiotic relationship. That's just in that, in that case, but like in the Pacific Northwest, they've done, they've done these isotope studies and they've determined that there are what they call mother trees and daughter trees. And so in a situation, for example, where you may have a, a mother tree that's a, at the end of its life, that tree has been known to pass on defense molecules to trees nearby by using the mycelium as almost like this internet network, if you will. Wow. So it's really amazing. And then if there are trees that are like in the understory where they may not be getting as much light, these older trees have also been proven in these studies to share carbon, basically share nutrients with their trees, again, using this mycelial um, highway. As, as a means. So it tells us a lot about how we should be managing our forests and, and making sure that, uh, you know, there's this one woman, I can't think of her name, but she, she's like the pioneer of that, of those studies in the Pacific Northwest. And she's done amazing work and, and uh, definitely worth looking into. I'll have to follow up with you on, on the name. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw an interview with her. It was fascinating. Maybe even a TED talk or a TED radio hour or something with her. It was a TED talk. You're right. Yeah. So if you find it or we find it, we'll text each other because I think that would be really nice for our listeners to be able to link to that. And I'm, I'm in the middle of reading the book, uh, The Hidden Life of Trees, which talks about some of this that you're, and, and just the, Ah, uh, the tree hugger in me. Just every time a tree comes down in in my town, just I I <laughs> I want to weep for it because it's got so much history and so, it has so much wisdom to it. I think we don't have a deep respect for Mother Nature like we could. Absolutely, yeah. The Suzanne Simard, I'm sorry, is her name. Say it again. It's uh, Suzanne Simard. So S I M A R D. So I'm curious as to how, how do people, where are your mushrooms? How can people get a hold of these mushrooms? We know you're at Dean's because that's where we first met you. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, all, all four of Dean's locations, so Basking Ridge, Chester, and then his ocean, his ocean store location and Shrewsbury as well. So Sickles in Little Silver, as well as their new location in Red Bank, and Nature's Corner in Spring Lake. And they have a second location in Long Branch, but uh, we're not currently in that particular store. And um, Water Witch is a s- awesome little coffee shop um, in in the Highlands. Restaurant wise, we're you know we're in uh, Angelica's and Seabright, 
Uh, we're in all of um, Maryland's restaurants, of course. Uh, right. So Whitechapel Projects, Langosta Lounge, uh, Blue Grotto in Oceanport, Victory Park Tavern in Rumson, Belford Bistro, Drew's Bayshore Bistro. So can people get a hold of them if they're not local? Because we have listeners all over the place. And uh, is, is there any other way of getting your mushrooms? Do you ship them by chance? Uh, we have before. Or like the Dean's Northern locations, we've met people on on the way there, and you know we're pretty flexible. We so you know we're trying to get into Ocean County, so we're willing to drive as well. And you know I think once we expand, we'll become bigger. And and so yeah, if anyone has any specific you know interest in the mushrooms or the tinctures or anything like that, we can certainly arrange a delivery. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've learned so many new things about mushrooms and uh, can't wait to dive into uh, dive into some more experimenting with cooking yeah. and uh, the pleasure of the whole mushroom kingdom. Sure. <laughs> Maybe if you wanted to, I, I could leave you with one last idea that I have, which I think is quite, quite interesting. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, so your audience might be interested in what I think is going to become quite quite big in the future in the, in the world of fungi, which is either, there's a couple, there's two things or, or two or three. Um, but uh, so, so the first one would be um, mycotexture, which is basically like architecture, but you're building with fungi. And so we've learned ways now that you can take certain strains of mushroom and create molds and, 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 uh, and actually build materials that are sustainable, of course, biodegradable. Uh, they now have these, uh, these bricks that you can create and build structures with, and they're fire retardant, they're lightweight, and um, they're made out of mushrooms. So wow. you know, up in the city, like in Brooklyn, there's been some art exhibits where they're using this, this material. It's kind of like biofabrication. Um, so that's really exciting. And then another thing that I'd, I'd like to start working on is this mycoremediation, which is uh, using fungi to help clean up um, uh, either contaminated sites ranging from oil spills. But in our case around here with the Twin Rivers of the Navasink and the Shrewsbury, using using certain strains of mushrooms to remove excess nutrients from uh, runoff in the spring, yeah. uh, which results in our fish kills. And then lastly, there's this company – um, well, there's Ecovative, and then there's this trademark made with reishi. So reishi is a is another medicinal mushroom, but they are now learning a way to um, take the reishi mushroom and create a leather-like product. And uh, so for the for the sustainability aspect, of course, if you're not you know raising cows with the sole intention of uh, either for dairy or or, or beef production. Uh, or leather, um, it's it's quite energy intensive, and we all know the all the inputs for that. So I, I mean, a lot of it's proprietary, of course, but they're now able to make products that have the same attributes of, of uh, leather by using um, fungi. Specifically, it's the the Ganoderma mushroom, which is the reishi. So there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff coming, and there's this company called Meaty M E A T I, and they're now creating beef and chicken products using using mycelium. Uh, so think of think of like a microbrewery where instead of fermenting just alcohol with liquid for liquid consumption, they're they're creating um, they're exponentially growing mycelium and then able to arrange the fibers in such a way that it has the same composition of chicken or beef. So, wow! Yeah. Wow! Great news for vegans for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Fascinating. Yeah. 
I know my my husband has harvested a hen of the woods, and when you're talking about building material, I know that because a few of them that he harvested are like rock hard. <laughs> And yeah. I, I can, so I can, I can actually visualize that and see that because you know that it really is crazy hard, strong material. So yeah, like one thing I wanted to do at White Chapel is to make the is to make that whole back beer garden area. It's like seven thousand square feet. Is to get local high schools like makers and biotech stuff into you know using alternate you know, biofabrication and creating different designs and having high school based competitions and cool. you know working with this stuff. So. Yeah. That's great. But it's such a fascinating world. Yeah. It is. It's very fascinating. It, it is. Well, we can tell your passion on it, and thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Is there anything else? Uh, let's please uh, share your. Where can people find you and learn more about you? Yeah. No. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we're, the only social media that we do is basically the Instagram. So I guess that's Two River Gourmet Mushroom, I, I think. Uh, we do have a website as well. And check us out at the farmer's markets on Sunday in Asbury Park at uh, Asbury Fresh with uh, on Cookman Avenue there, or on Saturdays in West Windsor out by Princeton. So um, those are the two markets that we're in or any of the retail or check out the restaurants. And for the restaurants that we're not into, demand that they yes. get us. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> right. we'll talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com. And stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.